This is Barely Legal. Hi there! Welcome back to Barely Legal. My name is Eva Eben. And I'm Pari Sedona. On today's episode of Barely Legal, we're going to be talking about a decision the Supreme Court issued on May 18th, 2023. And it's one that, it's a case that we've discussed, I think, previously on this podcast, Mm -hmm. but it was just now decided, so we thought we would go ahead and give you an update. Yeah, and also, as we mentioned earlier, the decisions are coming out, so we're Mm going to try and make as many episodes as we can covering these decisions so that y'all will get them, you know, Mm -hmm. as soon as possible on Mondays again. But this is the time where we start thinking about how those questions that we asked in some previous episodes are going to be answered. Yeah. So the case that we're going to be talking to you about today is called Twitter v. Tomne. This is a case about social media liability. Mm-hmm. So do you want to give us a sort of overview on how this case began? Yeah, so it's kind of intertwined with another case called Google v. Gonzalez as well, which we'll skim over that decision or lack thereof. <laughs> but the facts for Twitter v. Tomne is that a family of a 2017 ISIS attack victim sought to hold tech companies liable for allowing ISIS to use their platforms mm-hmm. in its terrorism efforts. Mm-hmm. So in an Istanbul nightclub in 2017, Navras al a Jordanian mm-hmm. citizen, a citizen of Jordan, mm-hmm. was killed and the family sought to hold Twitter liable mm-hmm. for allowing ISIS to use their platforms to spread their propaganda. And two years prior, Nohemi Gonzalez, a U.S. citizen, was killed in a terrorist attack in Paris, France, um, which was one of several that same day. And the next day, I believe ISIS issued this like written statement and released a YouTube video and said, hey, we were responsible for that. So that's Google v. Gonzalez. Mm -hmm. So in the ruling in Google v. Gonzalez, the Supreme Court sidestepped the decision on the scope of Section 230 of Mm -hmm. the Communications Decency Act of 1996, which shields companies from liability for content published by users. Mm -hmm. So they sent the case back to lower courts and Mm -hmm. said, hey, take a look at this again, take a look at the facts again, and Mm -hmm. we'll check it out later. Yeah, so it was just a lack of decision with Google. And then now we have this Twitter decision, and it was unanimous. Justice Clarence Thomas wrote the the decision Mm -hmm. itself. And basically they said, hey, we can't hold Twitter liable for this. There's not, I think he used the phrase concrete nexus. There's no concrete nexus slash connection or link between this Istanbul attack and the tech companies themselves. And I think I was reading the decision and he was saying like, it's true that some bad actors took advantage of like these social media companies, yeah. these platforms, but it's not sufficient to meet that standard of proof where it's like these like these companies knowingly gave assistance and aided and abetted these like terrorists. Yeah. Right. And in that in Twitter in particular, the the legislation that they're discussing is an anti-terrorism yeah. piece of legislation rather than that more general Um, protection for the Communications Decency Act, which we mentioned for Google. So they said that, you know, Twitter allowing them to post and not really doing anything about Mm -hmm. it is not aiding and abetting. And along Mm -hmm. with saying that, as Eva mentioned, um, Justice Clarence Thomas also recognized how there's kind of been an overly broad approach to saying aiding and abetting. And abetting, for Mm -hmm. instance, 
a passive observer who sees someone commit a crime but fails to report it, or the postal worker, worker who delivers a package with contraband. Do we hold those people accountable for aiding and abetting in crime? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where their decision draws from. And it kind of draws from this lack of definition of aiding and abetting within the legislation itself and even in the court ruling that the legislation, you know, says, oh, this court ruling from whatever will tell us what the meaning is. Even in that, he said, mm-hmm. it's too broad. Like we were having this conversation, we were talking about whether or not inaction constitutes action like mm-hmm. these companies if they knew that to some extent in some capacity they have terrorist organizations um creating content and using it and propagating content on their platforms are they not culpable in some form or are they not complacent in some way yeah you know and we were talking about the level to which they should be held accountable for that complacency mm-hmm. and kind of who should be regulating who is on social media platforms. I think this has been a conversation, especially as we saw that Twitter has kind of changed dramatically as a social media platform. And we've seen that there have been other platforms, for example, the one with that's Donald Trump started in order. Truth Social. Yeah, Truth Social to talk about kind of his platform, what he wants to say after being kicked off of many other social media platforms. Yeah, yeah, and also like if, let's imagine that Twitter did regulate this content. yeah. What implications does that does that have for free expression? And like, if we were talking about whether it's the social media company's responsibility to regulate these mm-hmm. things, or if it should come from you know federal oversight. Or- yeah, and I feel like I've been having this conversation a lot, especially, for example, with social media, right? Or if there was federal, mm-hmm. the federal involvement. For example, if someone said, "Oh." Let's take something really simple. And I had a conversation with this uh, about this with a teacher. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, let's take like, they were like, okay, but flat earthers, for example. Mm-hmm. Isn't that a fact that earth is not flat? Yeah. Couldn't you censor that content that, you know, people believe the earth is flat? Couldn't you censor that on the basis of, oh, they're spreading misinformation? You know for a fact that is misinformation, right? Mm-hmm. But then, you know, I was thinking, okay, for example, let's take the 2020 election. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think that that wasn't done fairly, that there was election fraud that mm-hmm. occurred and that, you know, Donald Trump is the rightful president, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. of course that's not true. Of course, that's not the facts, right? Mm-hmm. But isn't it to those people the facts, right? Mm-hmm. And isn't this, isn't it a political reading of the situation? If Even we if censor- we, yeah, if we censor that. And same thing. I mean, why don't we use that argument with COVID, though, with COVID vaccines and yeah, yeah. conspiracy theories and things that could be quite dangerous to people? Yeah, and I think that's something else, you know, I... I... Because, like, bodily harm is, is a factor mm-hmm. as well. I don't know. I think it's so tricky because truth, especially these days, has been fluctuating because people are in their own echo chambers and they don't know what to believe or they believe the yeah. things that Fox feeds to them or MSNBC feeds to them. Like, yeah. Nobody knows what the truth is. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. it's so interesting because I find myself questioning, right, like if I'm on Instagram, for example, and mm-hmm. I'm reading this and then I go and I look for a news article about it and whatever, even if I'm looking at that news article about it and I see that there is some sort of heated language. I mean, even take our podcast, for mm-hmm. example, right? Someone can argue that, what we're saying isn't the truth, you know? Mm-hmm. And, I, and you just said the earth yeah, isn't flat. Yeah, you know? so it's like everything is so subjective these days. Mm-hmm. And I think that there could be real harm done if the federal government inevitably ends up stepping in because, yes, 
right now we're looking at it partisanship wise, mm-hmm. but even if it's not nonpartisan, even if we have an independent commission, you know, something we were talking about from the federal government, still the federal government stepping in and censoring speech. Yeah. And what kind of speech would the federal government censor? And most that likely? completely depends on the makeup of legislators who are. Yeah, but I, but I think ultimately it's going to be content that, that criticizes the federal government. Government that they're censoring. And it's, you know, people who are in power want to stay in power and they're going mm-hmm. to stay in power by making sure that no one's saying anything about the way that Congress acted, for example, with the debt ceiling bill Absolutely. or whatever. And so are we going to be equipping them to do that? Yeah, are we going to allow them to take away our fundamental First Amendment rights, mm-hmm. you know, by allowing them to step in? But at the same time, there are instances, instances in which I think the government should, mm-hmm. you know, someone should step in. Mm-hmm. For example, I saw, I was listening to um, someone talk about challenges online and how they lost their son to the blackout challenge or yeah. where kids are like trying to hold their breath for a long period of time and blackout and her son died because of that challenge and participating oh in it and it was because you know he saw a youtube video doing it and i was like are we gonna allow social media companies to aid and abet yeah you know in mm-hmm. the killing of children basically right mm-hmm. by showing them these harmful challenges to do not even just that far there's like i know pornhub is having a huge issue with sex abuse content and like yeah lack of consent and things like that that are that's being propagated on that platform yeah yeah there's some there's some liability there as well and i just think it's very tricky because if we if we say okay we can't have the federal government do this we have to have individual private tech companies deal with this yeah individually then how do we know that what What's being, there, what's being fed is not also yeah. harmful. I don't think we have an answer. <laughs> yeah, truly, I've spent probably this whole year thinking about this, honestly. This issue of social media and kind of who is who should be in charge of censoring. Because mm-hmm. I think it's really easy to say private companies should have, yeah. you know, the ability. But then it's like, what if private companies are limiting people's First Amendment rights, right? Are we going to allow that to it's happen? It's not even just limiting people's First Amendment rights. It's about... Like, we've talked at length on this podcast and just in general about, like, algorithms and how they can, yeah. like, when you interact with content, it will, like, the algor- algorithm will feed you more mm-hmm. identical content to that, and it might be more fringe, more extreme. Yeah. And that's a money-making thing for big tech. But, like, I was reading when I was researching this case for Vitamne that the ACLU and a few other, like, outside third-party groups, like, advocated and said, if if you say that we have to take away this, like, algorithmic um like interaction interface what's going to happen is you're going to have this like huge pit and the internet's just absolutely going to be out of control we're not going to know what to do and it's going to be like a litigation minefield so yeah. every everybody has an opinion like even seemingly good actors have an opinion they're concerned about what happens when you take away the algorithm because the devil you know is better than the devil you don't yeah you know and i think even you know if people in general are confused about what their role will be in terms of liability in, mm-hmm. you know, terrorist cases, for example, I saw that journalists were like, if we report on terrorism, does this mean that we aided and abetted? Can we yeah. get sued? So mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of questions in terms of freedom of speech, speech, speech especially <laughs> as it pertains to social media companies. But even outside of the realm of social media, when we think about news networks, things like that, are they held liable for posting, you know, mm-hmm. A, an article about the, about ISIS, for example. Mm-hmm. What Does extent of responsibility does, does that actor have? Yeah. Absolutely. I think these are questions we have to be thinking about. But I think with this case, they 
they weren't they were pretty ambiguous right like they weren't yeah super concrete super clear they didn't say that this is just like absolute ruling for how yeah, social yeah. media will play out or anything but again it's, it still does set a precedent for mm-hmm. culpability when it comes to social media companies and yeah mm-hmm. and i think we'll have to see who can take responsibility then right mm-hmm. it's not the social media company that's allowing the terrorist organization to post and you can't really hold that terrorist organization liable mm-hmm. who holds that liability because someone does right someone does Yeah, I think that's all we have for you today. We'll see you in two weeks. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much.